Welcome back to Cold Pizza, the podcast that we do each week in order to explore different parts of the text and some things that were left on the cutting floor. So I've got some warmed up leftovers with Pastor Jeff this week. Hey guys, good to be with you again. This past week we were back in Hebrews again and uh, the picture is homeward bound. Uh, I want to first of all thank you for spending the first 10 minutes of the sermon with me viewing myself as a stewardess. <laughs> slightly terrifying prospect um i would be an awful stewardess i wouldn't be able to hear what drink you want mm-hmm. i would be bent over the entire flight that's true and i would be sideways because i can't walk down the aisle man i don't really know i have like a lot of respect for stewardess and also i'm kind of like why would you want to do that you know i also kind of think the same thing about teachers like i have a lot of respect for teachers and i'm like man grace to you i don't know why you'd want to do that <laughs> but yes, man, stewardess is, I don't like flying. Like, I'm not scared of flying. I just don't like it. Mm-hmm. You know, I get a headache. And of course, you don't get any nice snacks anymore. It's just like peanuts. Oh, and you don't actually get to see the world because no. it closes their windows. Exactly. And puts on their headphones and gets yeah. out of their computers. But nonetheless, in the event of an emergency, please put on your own mask before helping those around you. Yeah. Which yeah. I think was the point that you were after in it particular. Was. It was. Yeah. It's. I hope that was a helpful little analogy. It was kind of a, Bryn told me later, it was kind of like a, a stand-up bit, uh, which I was I was kind of going for a little bit just to help drive that idea into our minds because it's true. I think, you know, I get on an airplane and uh, I've done that a lot. You know, I'm back when Bryn and I were dating long distance, I flew to Texas a lot. Oh, wow. You know, and I got on that plane and I remember it's the same old gig and like, how hard can this be when, you know, this thing were to go down? And what's interesting about that is, you know, you see something like that in a movie where, you know, the side of the plane rips open or something and I'm like, well, that'll never happen to me. And it's crazy because if something like that were really going down, would I really know what to do? <laughs> you know, like, I think that, I, that the, um, the casualness in which I face something uh, like flying uh, is a little scary at times, but that's the analogy I was going for. Like the casualness in which we come to these verses and Hebrews and these warnings can be uh, such so, so naive because we kind of have the idea, well, the pilot's up in the front doing his thing and the stewardess doing their thing and a couple people around me were listening, so I think I'll be fine. I'll get an A for the group project. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but in the event of an emergency, I got to know what to do. And that's a, it's true. You got to put your own mask on before you can help others. Good point. Yeah. The thing I hate the most about those presentations is not just the in the unlikely event of a crash, but in the unlikely event of a water landing right. <laughs> while we're flying over dirt. <laughs> right. You're like, hang on a second. <laughs> Where are you taking me, first of all? Second of all, if we're going down like in a pond, I just view like the nose of the airplane. Just stuck in the pond. <laughs> in the water. <laughs> the rest of it sticking out. Like, get the boat. Get the get boat. Get the boat. Yeah. When I was a kid, I don't know if anybody can relate to this except my son Judah because he is basically me. Um, but when I was a kid, I would think about stuff like that. Like, oh, if the plane is going down, I can jump out if it's going over water. Right <laughs> before it hits the water. And, of course, I'm not thinking about how fast we're going <laughs> it's funny so ian whaley came up to me after the sermon yesterday and we were having a conversation about the sermon and stuff and he said you he said you said that the uh the wings were welded on the plane he said actually he was talking to uh an airplane 
mechanic one time, and apparently there's only four bolts that hold the wings of a plane on. Well, that fits my nightmares. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And he's like, nope. That, that's I understand. I was like, I could have added that to my bit. You know? That explains why Bane had it so easy. <laughs> right. Sorry. I was going to do a Bane voice, but I'll, I did goats <laughs> last week, so I'm just going to chill on that for now. <laughs> that was a pretty, pretty good goat last week, though, I must say. And this gives you power. <laughs> but you get the point, right? <clears throat> we do, there's a kind of a monotonous sometimes to the, the warnings of Scripture. We're, Brent and I are reading through uh, the book of Luke right now, and Jesus talks about the same thing in the kingdom of heaven in many different ways over and over and over again. Yeah. I I, I mean, part of it was a stand-up bit, but I mean, we're looking at Hebrews. He's using a lot of word pictures right. that fit them. And right. So you're using word pictures that fit us. The same thing we have done with the sheep, with the Grand Canyon, all that. Yeah. Yeah, so. lots of pictures, lots of analogies. <laughs> there were a few <laughs> right. yesterday. And we then Pastor Matt brought us a couple more during communion. Baby but, chickens. Yeah. Hey. Don't let Matt have your baby chickens, by the way. Apparently they'll die. <laughs> I'm just saying, children, you might want to plug your ears, but if you didn't know where chicken nuggets come from, it's... This is true. They come from baby chicks because the they're the, that same it. size, right? That's how I feel guilty. They just throw the whole shrimp, thing in the right? grease. <laughs> when you eat like a steak, it's like a group project, you know? But when you eat shrimp, like each one gave its life for you. That's true. So, This is an encouraging cold pizza. This is why you came here today. Um, <laughs> this is what happens when I get to host after a couple weeks. Uh, yeah, so let's jump into some of uh, what we had picked out for today. Sure. Um, one of the things that I was think was super helpful, and uh, as I was hoping you would do, you develop a picture of rest more. Yeah. Um, from the week before, and I really particularly like that bed quote. Can you just read that first, I guess, and then I'll kind of pull out the picture I liked. Yeah, yeah. So, um. Yeah, I'll just read the quote for you. So, so Beg says this, In the rhythmical succession of six days of work and one ensuing day of rest, in each week we see the principle on which the life of humanity has been constructed. In this way, man is reminded that life is not an aimless existence, but that a goal lies beyond. So God constructs the universe and makes it absolutely perfect and then rest, purposely pausing. In this, God sets a rhythmic cycle for all of humanity to follow. Therefore, when humanity denies the existence of a creator God and breaks the link between the personal God and his creation, then they will inevitably deny any significance to the days of creation. They will inevitably deny any rhythmic cycle that is part and partial of the structure of humanity. And they will thereby find themselves in the seasickness of a world without purpose where every day runs into every other day at nauseam. They will find that Hamlet was right when he looks out on this world and says how weary, stale, flat, and unprofitable seem all the uses of this life because it's just another manic Monday. It's just another lousy Wednesday. It's just another boring Sunday, end quote. Alistair Begg pulling out Shakespeare. Yeah. I think... We're doing Our Lord of the Rings. Exactly. I'm not sure. I think Man... Is it Man at Monday, Prince? 
I don't know. Yeah, somebody can Google that. I don't want to know the answer to that. I think <laughs> I think he threw some of that in there as I'm well. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. I know there are people who like the Prince, oh, but mine oh. is a Bel Air. Now, for me, Mondays was always Garfield. Garfield, man, is where it's at. So, Speaking of pizza. Yeah, that's lasagna. Pizza and lasagna. Pizzas and Ninja Turtles, my other ones. This is true. Um, yeah, so what I there's a lot in there that I really mm-hmm. like, but the, the, the alliteration, because we're Baptists, of purposeful pause. Yes. I think is super helpful in defining specifically Sabbath. There's so much confusion for us on Sabbath in general, mm-hmm. which led to why we had, you know, needed to do a lot of instruction on our sabbaticals. Yes. Uh, but the we use not that phrase exactly, but something very close to it: a purposeful pause. And uh, th- that picture of not just stopping, not just resting alone, mm-hmm. but what's it aimed at? What's it oriented to? Yeah. Um, and what are we trying to image from it? Because mm-hmm. uh, there's that phrase in there, you said something akin to when we dissolve or, or uh, pull apart the, the picture of the creator from creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you start to see these things fall apart. And that's, I mean, in the world of art, that we, we go through that all the time. Yeah. Uh, how much does what I produce actually say about me? Mm-hmm. Um, what if I like the art of someone who's a terrible person? Mm-hmm. What does that say? How much of the creator goes to the creation? Mm. Um, the fact that we have value in what we create because we're imaging our creator. Yeah, uh, We're talking in Abolition of Man in Chapter 1 about how something can have intrinsic value mm-hmm. apart from even who it came from just yeah. because we ultimately know that the creation itself images God. Yeah. So... Uh, a waterfall has intrinsic value on its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you, you give it value or not, it right. has it. Mm-hmm. So I think that purposeful pause of our significance being derived from uh, from God is huge because particularly you have that not an aimless existence. Yes. That, the Manic Monday, every day runs into every other day. Mm-hmm. That I nauseum. Really like that. Yeah, there's this, that, that something lies beyond that this is... Uh, this is not it. But you see that separation and you see that, that drudgery in which we talk about work, especially in an American Western culture. The idea of Sabbath rest, and I said this yesterday, the Sabbath rest of God, the command that his people rest and observe the Sabbath day, keeping it holy, is something that's just really entirely lost on us. Well, so we've been very carefully trying to keep in front of you the my rest piece, and it, mm-hmm. it, it should all make sense after this week. Yeah, that's true. And I think I was really able to understand this a little bit better because, uh, you know, I came off a sabbatical uh, this past year. And so as I'm studying this Sabbath day rest that God enjoys and how that connects to what the author is trying to say, there was a bit more of an appreciation for it and an understanding for it. So I get my worth and my significance not in what I can accomplish, but in who am I, I'm accomplishing it for, ultimately. Or even in how hard you can rest. Yes, exactly, which was a thing I had to learn in the beginning of sabbatical. Like, I am going to, because if you know me, you know that I go after everything, like I'm going to conquer this thing and make it absolutely perfect because I'm a control guy. And then that's the way I went after rest was I'm going to conquer this rest and I'm going to rest so hard. <laughs> I'm going to be the best rester you ever saw. But what what's interesting is there is a what I was missing though was uh, what gives me my significance is not my work, 
what gives me my significance is God. And that seems like such a simple thing, but it's so lost on us. Again, because we are always kind of encased in this worldly ideology of what do we, you know, when we greet one another, I said yesterday that when you ask somebody how they're doing, they always say busy. Mm-hmm. Because busy now equals importance. You know, um, back in the day when there was commercials for um, Rolexes, there was people presented who were rich and wealthy and could afford a Rolex and they're laying on the beach because they don't have to work. And that's like desirable for people. They don't have to work. Now, your Rolex commercials are some guy in New York City in an apartment. He's not married. doesn't have a family. And he's like a lawyer. Or he's Wall Street. And he's grabbing that watch and running out the door. And he's hustling. And it's fast. And it's sexy. Because now, my worth is wrapped up in what I do. You know, when you greet somebody, yeah. what do we say? Like, what do you do? As if that is like all of their existence and all of their identity. Yeah. So I've tried to I've tried to ask that question differently. Recently, I asked a guy um, that I was playing basketball against recently, like, "So what do you do for a living? Like, how do you earn your bread?" Yep. Because that's not that's a part of what he does, but that's not who he is. What are you? Yeah, <laughs> I'm a uh, right. So I think we gotta be careful about how we are presenting that to each other. Obviously, there's a, a danger there that we find our significance in what we do, and that's as true for pastors as it is for anybody else 100 percent. yeah even maybe a little bit more sneaky the deceitfulness of sin well you know since i'm doing this spiritual work sacred work sacred work yeah but for the christian there's no difference in the sacred and the secular right because everything i do i'm supposed to do for god's glory and that's that's the beauty of before the fall adam he's working Mm-hmm. And his work is for the glory of God. It's to further the garden. It's to spread the garden around the world and to produce little God fears. And there's joy in that. Yeah. There's purpose in that. But it's not because of what he does that gives him significance. That comes later. Mm-hmm. Now I gotta go be X, and that gives me significance. You know. So then we have a culture now that is, uh, you know, kind of telling kids, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" You know, because your significance is in what you do, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's that's a part of rest, realizing that our our existence and our purpose is is not wrapped up in what we do, uh, but it's wrapped up in what the creator has made us to be. And so we can only find rest with Augustine instead when we find that purpose and rest in him. That's the story of Hebrews. So, cause that's what we don't want to lose in this is exactly you continued pulling that thread through yesterday is you go back to chapter one. Yep. What are we talking about again? We're talking about Jesus is superior to the law. Yeah. Uh, so for us, when we're thinking Pharisees trying to earn their way, the strivings uh, that we see, the wrong strivings are mm. striving for your value, striving for mm-hmm. your significance, striving for your purpose. Yeah. So we uh, have a Sabbath rest for the people of God, and we have entered into that so we can rest from our yeah. works as God did from his. Yeah. And part of the Sabbath rest that God commanded his people to observe is so that they can sit and not just kick back and do nothing. Right? There's this, so God's work, when God rests after creation, it's it wasn't, I think I said somewhere, that it wasn't a gateway to idleness. Because Jesus, what does Jesus say? I think it's in, I can't remember where it's at, it's in um, the Gospel of John, where he says, my father is always working, mm-hmm. and I'm working. So it's it's more of this, 
not because his work was done necessarily, but because his work was perfect and everything was taken care of. So when I cease from my labor, I am ultimately trusting in God. That's what sabbatical, that's what Sabbath here, Christ the Lord, that's what we're saying when we talk about resting in God, that my purpose is found in him and I want to be able to take my hands off of my labor and put it aside because my hope and ultimate rest is not in my bank account or my ability to do whatever. My ultimate trust and hope is in God because God is the only one who looked at his work and said, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. So I can go out and I should go out and work really hard. I should work for God's glory in whatever occupation I do. But at the end of the day, I cannot look at my work and say, I can take true significance and worth in my work. And, and that's the thing that builds me up and gives me you know, purpose. No, it's God yeah. is the only one that can look at his work and say it is perfect. That's the argument from verses one through five. Yeah, exactly. And so for some of, some of the people in our congregation, and I get this because I'm a control person, I have to be able to look at my um, sermons that I write because I want them to be perfect and say, God is the only one who can look at something and say it is perfect. We have to tell my son Judah this all the time. He loves to do art, but he's his father's son. Mm-hmm. If it's not perfect, it's going in the trash. And we have to, we often just say to him, Judah, who is the perfect artist? Mm-hmm. Well, God is, right? Yeah. All right. So what you're doing is a, is, is, uh, as an image bearer is mimicking that, uh, but you should do that for his glory and you should be able to do your work and not uh, think that it's the thing that gives you significance mm-hmm. and, and be able to rest in that. And, and so those of you who are striving to in, in the occupation or in how clean your house is or how well you homeschool or whatever it is, you're never going to be able to look at your work like God did after he created and say it's perfect. Mm-hmm. And this, so the, the significance of this, and I, I hope that people got this, is that's the same connection that we make over the work of Christ. Yeah. So now there's this break in Sabbath rest. Man can't have that apart from communion with God. So Jesus comes to make a new creation. And so if you're trying to add to your salvation by your own works, you well, th- can't look and say it's perfect. I think it's it's tricky because we're getting ready to talk about persevering. <laughs> yeah, it's true. In a second, uh, to speak out of the other side of our mouth, <laughs> um, it's tricky because <clears throat> not all of that is is purely self imposed, or at least in its origination. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, those kinds of pressures for meaning and stuff largely come from the relationships that we have. That's a good point. Whether it's uh, our kids. Uh, being what we think gives us value or our spouse and their evaluation of us mm-hmm. or our bosses or our friends. Um, so a lot of that is still self-imposed because you don't know exactly what they're thinking. Right. But in many cases it can feel as if your value hinges upon your standing in these relationships, yeah, not just between you and God. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a really good point. Uh, <clears throat> that's something to, to sort out um, as you think application uh, generally we're thinking of that vertical orientation between you and God but mm-hmm. uh, all the time every time we do something vertically it plays out horizontally yeah amen and when we view things horizontally it plays out vertically so yeah. that's a good point man be mindful of those but keeping in mind here let's shift gears into persevere sure uh, which I th- this may be my favorite thing from yesterday 
is you have the keep on keeping on, which is, I think, a good picture of persevere. But you said this, the opposite of perseverance is disobedience. Mm. And this is something that I've been exploring with uh, my ethics class preparation stuff. Um, a more classical view of sin yeah. is not, and, and we've said this, I've said this in a sermon before. I, I, I'm pretty sure I've said it. I think it was a sermon. It might've been my classes is that sin is not something that's created ex nihilo. It's not something that comes from nowhere. Yeah. A classical view of sin is taking something good and distorting or perverting it. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a, uh, a red versus blue, a left versus right, a, uh, one versus two. It's not two different things. It's one spectrum. Yeah. And they take the good and they move it and distort it to the other end of the spectrum. Mm. And so for us, I think uh, we see the opposite of perseverance is just maybe failure. Sure. And when we think of like a race, I didn't persevere to the end of the race. I, I DQ'd I, or right. DNF, did not finish. Mm-hmm. Whereas because of the nature of the journey that God has for his remnant, for his people, for true Israel, all the different pictures that we've talked about, to not persevere is to disobey. Yeah. Which is, 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 that's a, that's a, I, I can't emphasize how huge of a picture that is. Mm. That should shift and help kind of lay waste to a lot of the concern that people have had over the past two weeks of warnings. Yeah. To say, okay, the perseverance is not something that I can or cannot do. It's something that I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And if I don't, I'm in rebellion. Yeah. That makes so much more sense of the goats. Yeah. And you're, yeah, so you're, you're a choosing to walk in faith and repentance. And I established, you know, we know this stuff. That's why I just said, you mean, you just got to read your Bible more because all through it you're going to see okay look the reason that you want to persevere is because god is preserving you the yeah, reason a new that heart a new desire right the, the only reason you want to do this stuff is because you're not dead anymore mm-hmm. but we somehow think that because he is saying we have to strive and persevere that that means i have to earn and that's not what he's saying so so read your bible more and, and understand that truth so you're making a decision to walk in faith and repentance, and you're making a decision to walk in disobedience. You know, Matt mentioned that in his communion devotion. Like you, you have a choice to make, right? So for those who are, you know, in this, we've talked in the past couple of weeks about the sovereignty of God, you know, culpability, so on and so forth. Like you're making a decision right now to harden your heart or to soften your heart. Yeah, you're making a decision to walk in. Uh, faith and repentance and heed the warnings and strive knowing that it's because Jesus has you're working because Jesus did work for you mm-hmm. right or you're making a decision to walk in disobedience because what repentance is I'm going one way and I about face and go the other way yes and that's why Luther says the whole of the Christian life is one of repentance until we see Jesus one day and enter that rest completely and so uh, to, we've talked about repentance as something that you have to walk back, which on the yeah. spectrum, that makes sense. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so you, you find people that are, have, are walking in repentance, and what it means to walk, to not persevere, it means to walk in disobedience, means to turn around and start walking back the other way. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and you have you, to cover the ground that you just covered exactly. going the wrong way. Right, you get these first. people walking back and forth. And that's one of the biggest challenges I see in counseling, is that people want to zoom back mm. to the choice that they made. Yeah. But... It's not how it works. You have to walk back the ground yeah. that you've already covered. Yeah. 
Where did you, and I, that's a good point because when it comes to the assurance piece that we really talked about a couple weeks ago, how do I know that I know that I'm a sheep? Many people want to face that question looking all the way back to the decision they made. Oh, yeah. And we, we talked a lot about that. So if, you know, you're, if point, you're hearing yeah. this and, and have questions about that, listen to the last two episodes of Cold Pizza. But, but what we should do is realize that if I'm in Christ and I'm persevering, but somewhere along the line, it seems that I, I have stopped persevering and I'm, I, I, because I haven't been heeding the warning. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the way, I don't, I don't need to go all the way back to my salvation experience. I need to go back to the point where I stopped walking in faith and repentance. Mm-hmm. Right? And that could be yesterday. That could be five seconds ago. And so we need to stop kind of jumping, doing this arc thing and jumping all the way <laughs> yeah. over top of all this ground the last however many years you've been walking as a believer, as a sheep, and don't go all the way back to this moment and say, okay, my, my, my sureness, and I know that I know because I said that prayer, or I had this thing. It's a spiritual time travel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. Don't go there. Walk back to the place where you can see that you stopped walking in faith and repentance. And there's just like yesterday where there were so many ways we could have jutted off. That's why there were so many analogies that I was using. There's so many ways we could jut off and talk about that in this. I would just say one of the best ways for you to figure out where you've stopped walking in faith and repentance is to be a part of a, of a local church, mm-hmm. right? Uh, to be a part of a real covenant community that's going to help keep you accountable. Yeah. Which, I mean, those pictures can be scary, and it's challenging. And yeah. You have the homeward bound picture of, uh, you think it's easy for me to admit that I can't, right? Right. Where I love you turning that on its head, saying, reminding us what Jesus said, my yoke is easy. Yeah. My burden is light. Yes, yes. he puts tools on you, and yes. there's work to do. It's easy. But it's easy. Yeah. And it's light. Right. Yeah, so Jesus rides into Jerusalem uh, on what we celebrate, you know, on Palm Sunday on a beast of burden, mm-hmm. they call a donkey. And then he leaves shortly after as the beast of burden. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's born the yoke and the load ultimately. And so then he gives us these tools to go out and to run and to strive and to bear, to carry our cross and to die to ourself. But it's an easy load to carry because he's already carried it for us. And I think often we, we, um, Again, we, we think that st- striving somehow, if I ever start leaning into striving, it means I'm trying to earn my salvation. And that's just simply not what the text is saying. And if, if folks are still stuck there, I mean, let's talk, but just keep reading your Bible. <laughs> just read the yes. next verse. Read the next verse and the next one and the next one. Uh, particularly in this passage, we're getting ready to see him as high priest. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a good... Listen, if your shadow in the in the pit saying, do you think this is easy for me to admit that I can't do it? That's a good place to be mm-hmm. because you can't do it. You can't. And, and by the way, if you, if you didn't catch that's it, that's the purpose of the law. Exactly. <laughs> that's the purpose of the law. And that's what, he, uh, Hebrews is setting up for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you didn't get it yesterday, which I think you did, and I kind of left this hanging a little bit so people would use their brains, but chance, the dog, not chance, the rapper, Chance the dog is <laughs> Jesus in my analogy yesterday. He he gets into the pit for us, right? And he, he sets our feet up out of the pit onto a solid rock. But, you know, then 
once Shadow gets out, he's got to keep running. And I, you know, Brim was telling mean, me yesterday. You mean there's not just one set of paw prints? No. <laughs> That's funny. I won't go. I won't go off on that. So many good <laughs> analogies. Okay. So, um, my wife Brim was telling me yesterday. She's like that analogy about the cat coming home over the hill and chance and shadow. I said, you know, shadow comes limping with mud all over him over the hill. The cat comes kind of gingerly running over the hill, saying the name of its owner, Hope, Hope, kind of. Mm-hmm. Can't believe it that she's there or whatever, and then Chance comes like full out running over the hill, and I hope that by <laughs> God's grace I am that. But regardless, Brim was like, regardless, they all made it, mm-hmm. right? And so that question again back to: Are you a sheep? Or are you a goat? Well, we'll know by who's there in the end. Yep. Uh, and and that's why we sing um, that that we'll be dressed in His righteousness alone. Yeah. May I be found in his righteousness, faultless to stand before the throne. So, so yeah. And by the way, if you haven't seen Homeward Bound, I just, there was a couple, well, actually there wasn't a couple. There was quite a few people yesterday that didn't raise their hand, and I was like, what? What is this place? You, you, your childhoods were so sad. Well, What's wrong with you people? Mine was sad because of this movie. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's that good sad. Like, you, you know, I grew up on those, like, dog movies. I know. Like Old Yeller and Savage Sam. And... I had to read uh, Where the Red Fern Grows in seventh grade. Oh, man. And I finished it about a month and a half before the rest of the class because I couldn't stop reading it. That's a, wow, that's a great book, man. And I grabbed my golden retriever, who I had wanted forever, and mm. I sobbed for about two hours. Yeah. As a seventh grade man. Yeah, boy. that's okay. That that book will make a, a man out of you. For Bro. real. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. How does the dog die.com? It's a good website for you guys. <laughs> That's true. Just in case. Russ is like, I'm not watching this if the dog dies. Man, Marley and Me was like my last dog movie. Look, bro, let's, yeah, that's true. But they just don't make dog movies like they used to. Have you seen Old Yeller? True. Well, it's Have you a, read Old Yeller? There was, there was Airbud, too, which was. You know, the first one, like, okay. You know, and then it was just like Airbud Infinity. Like, it never well, stopped. Yeah. It's kind of like Space Jam. Exactly. Um, so then how do we make every effort? What does our effort look like? What's our run over the hill? Mm. Well, I said this yesterday. I don't think you need to complicate this stuff. It looks like taking one more step. You know, I've, I've, I've won, I've, I've run one, uh, full marathon. I've run a bunch of half marathons and I ran a full marathon years ago. I, I mean, I trained really hard, and I ran pretty strong for the first half mile, and then I realized I was uh, wasn't pacing well, wasn't paying close attention mm-hmm. to the the warning signs. Yep. Um, and I realized I had a whole other half to run, and I was like, "Oh no, I'm in trouble." Yeah. So I I didn't want to, but I had to slow a little bit, which was interesting because I was reaping the consequences of maybe some arrogance or some just thinking I was good or yeah. you know, everything was everything was fine. And it really, quite frankly, just became a one foot in front of the other, you know, um, until I found myself across the finish line. And it wasn't pretty at all. So what does one foot in front of the other look like? It means like, quite frankly, reading your Bible, 
being devoted to the spiritual disciplines. It looks like church discipline. It looks like not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Those are the simple core things. Like this is not rocket science. It's the simple yeah. things. And that's, by the way, that's the warnings, or that's the the um, the caution. When those lights start going off, those warning lights are going off in people in our church. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, you and I often sit down in counseling, and I always appreciate that you ask this question right up front, like, how much are you in your Bible? <laughs> and when somebody says, like, yeah, like, not at all, not at all, mm-hmm. I want to say, okay, go back and be in your Bible for the next several months, and then let's come back and talk. Yep. You know? Um, and if people aren't simply in the Word of God, they're literally spiritually starving themselves. Oh, yeah. You know? And But we kind of have that, it's okay. I don't have to, or we do it out of a, you either neglect the Bible because you have that, well, the pilot's flying the plane, he's got me, or you have this, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I read X amount of time and pray X amount of time and journal X amount of time. And that's got me. Mm -hmm. So some people's um, confidence is in not what the scripture says and then going and doing that what their confidence is, is in their routine and their rhythm. Yeah. And I, I, I can struggle with that. I think I'm I doing... I can fall into that easy. Right? I'm because doing, I need those. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and that's kind of like... So if I wanted to take the analogy of the frequent flyer and the fearful flyer further, like, so there are some people who are fearful flyers who are paying attention and doing all the right things, but how will we know if they really know what they're doing or if everything is okay... Uh, and they they are confident in the event of an emergency is when an emergency happens. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of us put such stock in our rhythms, which again, don't hear me wrong, but those are important. But on one side, you got people who are like, I'm not going to have any rhythm. I'm just going to kind of let go and let God because he's got me. Other people over here saying my rhythms are the things that save me. And so if I miss those. Your personal loss to tie it to the Pharisees. Yeah. I mean, I guarantee you there's a host of people listening to us <clears throat> over Christmas those rhythms might have gotten mixed up a little bit yeah. and and hadn't flowed very well. And you might, you might have met some crisis. Mm-hmm. But that's like, that's why we go to boot camp though. Yeah, That's why I go, that's why I try to go to the gym three times a week mm-hmm. because there's times in our lives that are busy where I can't go to the gym. Yeah. And I have this panicky feeling like, like all of a sudden I'm gonna lose all the gains or lose all the energy. And if I keep walking in that, yeah. Then I will, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if I'm like, if I go back and there's a rhythm where I haven't been in the gym for six weeks consistently, like I should be concerned. I got to fix some things. Mm-hmm. But if I've missed a week because I'm engaging with my kids or, or work's busy or whatever, well, that's why I go to the gym yeah. so that I can have that energy now. That's why you go to boot camp. So when the war comes, you know what to do. You're ready to engage. Yeah, so your your um your hope isn't in your training. Be careful about that. Yeah, I I think the best picture is that since the opposite of perseverance is disobedience, then how do we make every effort? Just obey. Right. Basic obedience. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Yeah, and so you have this picture then I think of Pilgrim's Progress is is just fantastic for Mm -hmm. this regular perseverance. Yeah. And he says uh, that, you know, my king has never failed me before. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to continue on yeah. what he says. Yeah. So it, it's that his work is done from the beginning. His mm-hmm. promise is true. Yeah. It still stands so I can enter it. And he's never failed me before. So yeah. why would I doubt him now? Yeah. And so you, and you can say then to the king. To the king. Exactly. Yeah. That's that. 
Yeah, to the king. Rally to the king. Matt was right uh, in the movie. Gandalf says they're rallying to their king. And that's what I want for our church. In the, in the event of an emergency, we rally to our king. Mm-hmm. That's what we saw happen in the last couple of years. There's a cry to rally to the king. And that's what we have to persevere in every day. It's, I know the deceitfulness of my heart. Mm-hmm. I, f- I know that Jeremiah says the heart is, is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? Yeah. So I'm not going to go on how I feel. I'm going to go on what God's word says. And that's why next week... Don't miss that these things are so tied together. We're going to talk about the Word of God that cuts Mm -hmm. deep. So you're a sheep if you hear the shepherd's voice, the Word of God, and you follow him. Yeah. Right? Quite simply, that's what he's saying. Mm -hmm. You read your Bible, you seek to understand it, and you're not going to completely understand every single thing, nor should you wait until you do to take action and start running. And there's going to be some things you don't like. And there's going to be some things you just don't feel like doing. But if you walk in faith and obedience to those things, you will see that God is faithful to his word. Yeah. And end of Joshua. Everything God said he would do, he did it. Yeah, I love that. He did it. And we're on this side of the cross. Mm-hmm. The better see. Joshua. <laughs> Everything he said he would do, he, he did. And so now we're waiting for some more... Um, realized eschatology, he's going to come back. And there's going to be this awesome reality when we see him face to face. Like everything you said that you would do, you did it. I think that's the theme of future grace, right? From Piper. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, it's tunneling down that whole thing. The reason I asked if people are reading their Bible is not just because it's the Christian thing to do, but you have all the people leave Jesus and he turns around to the disciples and he says, are you also going to abandon me? Mm. And they turn to him and say, no, mm. Lord, we're not going to leave you. You have the words of life. Where else will we go? Yeah. Only you have the words Only of life. Only you have the words of life, yeah. And that that's the cry you have to say every day, to the king, to the king. And that means, so that's how you make every effort. It means I may not feel like doing X, but I'm going to do it anyway, mm-hmm. trusting that God is, his ways are good, right, perfect, and I'm going to walk in that faith and obedience, whether the feelings come or not. And making every effort means that if you got to get up earlier to be in his word, you will. If you got to, um, you know, I was thinking about this the other day of making every effort. Uh, it's in the, again, in the same vein as getting up and going and exercising. What do you got to have to do in order to go? So many analogies in the scriptures about racing, about exercise. Paul says, I beat my body. Right, and I bring it under submission mm-hmm. to the Lord Jesus. And are we doing that spiritually, w- making every effort? Does that mean you're going to have to um, confess some sin to your home group? Right, you're going to have to get some people to help you with accountability. You're going to have to get a uh, accountability software on your phone or your computer. You're going to have to um, stop going to the gym because of yoga pants and get a home gym. <laughs> Right, like make every effort. True. Make every single effort, or maybe you need to just start listening to scripture mm-hmm. uh, in your ears um, instead of death metal when you go to the gym to remind you of the <laughs> truth. Right, like we we're, we chuckle about these things, but as I was meditating on that, I was thinking about all the things in my life that I need to make every effort. I I gotta have to get up just a little bit more early um, with some of the things that Brent and I want to start um, doing in our family mm-hmm. uh, in the mornings to set our family on a good trajectory and. 
that's going to have to start at a certain time in the morning so we can have breakfast and get out of the house on time. That means if I want to have time, <laughs> which I, I have time before they get up, but now it means like I got up a little earlier. Mm-hmm. And I'm weighing that cost like, ugh. but for me, it's, I got to do that because that's me making every effort, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's me dying to myself and making every effort to strive to enter that rest. It's absolutely necessary for me. So what you've been describing sounds very akin to our church's mission. Mm, look at you just bringing all these <laughs> things together. <laughs> to our point of like not overcomplicating things last week, this week, it's like frustratingly simple. Mm-hmm. It's what it is. It do is. You, do you know him? Yeah. Is that leading you to love him? Right. If you do, then you'll obey him. Right. And And how... May I add, just, I said this recently in the... Uh, and mid- how, that sounds like a old-timey <laughs> affirmation. <laughs> and how. Uh, how do you know him? By his word. He has told you. His word has everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything you need to know about how to uh, be born again, how to become a new creation, and how to walk in that new creation reality is in his word. So how do you know him? You know him through his word. And and knowing him means you have to know every piece of him. The parts you don't like, the parts you like, the parts you don't understand, the parts you understand. All that. And go read the Gospels and Jesus isn't always what you want him to be. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's got a lot of people who are chasing him one second and then ready to throw him off a cliff the next. Mm-hmm. And we do the same thing. You have, you know, you have the words of life. What gracious words are coming out of your mouth. The, the last prophet is standing before them, the Messiah, saying, these things are talking about me. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, yay, yay, yay. And then he starts to say to them, the reason you were in exile, by the way, is because God had sent prophets, and you killed them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, how dare you? So they're ready to kill him. And this is what Messiah actually means, delivering yeah. you not from Rome, but from you. Exactly. Saving you from yourself. Exactly. But how often do we uh, do the same thing? We do the same thing. So if you want to know Jesus, you're going to have to get in your Bible. And if knowing Jesus leads to, to loving him, you've got to learn to love all of him, not just parts of him. And if you really love him, then you have to obey him. Yeah. There's just, and our culture, man, is just, I'm sick of a culture that continually preaches this idea that you can love Jesus apart from obeying him. Because yeah. if you so, if you push that, then you're legalistic. If you push that, then... So the culture does that, and I don't know how many people in our church do, and not to belabor this particular point, but I think the challenge with the knowing and, and reading the Bible thing is that's actually going to be something that you might have to repent of. Mm. So back to earlier, when we talk about walking back repentance, if you haven't been in the Bible yeah. an adequate amount of time, let's not even say optimum, but adequate, right? then it, that's not something you pick up overnight and that's yeah. going to frustrate you and yep. you have to persevere in that and walk back those years mm-hmm. maybe right of neglect to start to wrap your mind around the scriptures mm-hmm. so i mean to your point i've so i've been out of lifting for about five months now because i've been doing other exercise mm-hmm. <laughs> i've been encouraged not to overtrain but if I, but I, I can feel my muscles getting smaller and yeah. if i want to go back and, and address that it's going to be really frustrating not to be able to put the amount on the bar that I want to be able to do yeah. or that I'm quote unquote supposed to be able to do. Right. That you've done maybe in the past. That I've done in the past yeah. or that I'm maybe expected <laughs> to because of my size or whatever. Right. Well, it's well, and if you're looking to the past, like that was 
your your uh, weight record, you know, your lift record. Well, great, but that's what Paul is saying to the Philippians: like, stop relying on that. Yes, because you neglected that, and now you can't lift that anymore. Yep. And when you go back to the gym, to further this analogy, when you go back to the gym after that first workout, that's frustrating because maybe you can't lift as much as you did before. It's a it's a real reality check mm-hmm. that you've neglected. And what happens the next couple of days, your body hurts. Yeah. It hurts yep. really bad. And the same thing is true when we start to walk in repentance. We're like, yep. wow, I really suck. And I really neglected this. Mm-hmm. But praise God for his grace and and the building of the muscle of faith mm-hmm. to walk in repentance. But yeah, it's going to hurt. But that's why often people are like, well, I'll just screw this. And they give up. Yeah. Yep. So they go eat garbage. Yep. They go drink milk. And mm-hmm. they can't eat meat. Which we'll talk about in a couple weeks. That's coming. Yeah. <laughs> well, not a couple weeks. More pictures. Maybe further out. Yeah, more pictures, more analogies. <laughs> Good ones. Good ones. Yeah. Good. Yeah, well, so if it involves a walk of repentance, then, then do it. But imagine where you'll be in, you know, six months, a year, ten years. That's why I liked last week having that reminder from 10, 12 years ago. Yeah of uh the class that i we took on hebrews and mm. here it pays dividends yeah 10 years later so god keeps his promises that's that's what we want to encourage you to do so i hope that this has been helpful i want to encourage you to go enjoy homeward bound this weekend on yeah, your do movie it. night go watch that movie well, last week it was johnny cash so i didn't know if you know <laughs> but cold pizza apparently you get homework every week now Yes. So it's easy homework. There, go listen to Johnny Cash and go watch Homeward Bound. That's pretty easy homework. It is. I fell in love with a couple of Johnny homework. Cash songs. Actually, a family texted me last night a picture of Homeward Bound up on their their TV. They were like, "We're watching this," and then <laughs> you know, a while later, they sent nothing but crying emojis. They're like yeah. we're bawling. Like an empty box t- of tissues. We're crying. I'm like, bro, that that's that movie is full of types of Christ. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. And it wasn't written by C.S. Lewis. No, it wasn't. I actually think it was a Disney movie. <laughs> surprise, See, surprise. We have range. <laughs> we have such a range. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. I'm relevant. I hope that this has been helpful. I want to encourage you to uh, to keep keep your nose in Hebrews. Keep looking at these pictures. Yeah. They're things that are going to serve you for years to come. But with that, I want to uh, encourage you to continue to know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord overall. We'll see you next week. See you next week, guys.